0: Ohio State, I see an under a 10 and a half or minus 115. I'm on that. Like, I I look at that schedule. I think they are up against it. Listen, when you look at season win totals, I look at the possible games a team can lose.
1: Hello, welcome in. It's always college football. Today is Friday, week zero eve here in August of 2023. I'm Greg McElroy, your host. Appreciate y'all being with us. We have a jam-packed show today. We have yet to do some regular season win totals. We've yet to make some picks against the spread. We have resisted the urge to talk about gambling lines here on Always College Football. Today is your day. Now, we won't do it as often as we did it last year. We did it every single week last year, but we're going to have some nuggets in there every single week that you need to be prepared for. Will we dedicate an entire show to gambling? Probably not anytime soon, but today is dedicated to gambling. And even if you don't gamble, you can still get valuable information from the content of the conversation that we're going to have with Stanford Steve Coughlin. He's been with Scott Van Pelt forever. They've done bad beats. They've done all that fun stuff. He's now moving over to college game day where he is going to be a fixture. They're picking games against the spread on a week-to-week basis. So we look forward to our visit with him. I'm also going to tell you about some games this weekend. We're not going to break down what San Jose State has to do to pull off what would be one of the biggest upset in modern day college football history. We're not going to do that, but I will tell you what I want to see from Notre Dame. I will tell you what I want to see from USC. What position groups am I going to focus on the most when those teams take to the field? Also give you a little bit on Vanderbilt as well. So, Without much further ado, It's Stanford Steve Coughlin right here on Always College Football. Our gambling preview this year is with Stanford Steve, who we're very excited about seeing him on College Game Day each and every Saturday from wherever it is the College Game Day is coming to us from. Steve, are you excited for this journey? You understand that you're going to be held accountable for your picks, though. You do get that, right?
0: I, I know what it is, Greg. Like I, we've we've done this a time or two. Uh, I, listen, I've I've grown accustomed to it. Although anybody wants, you'll you'll only hear people when you lose. <laughs> and the expectation is I'm going to have to pick six every week. There, that's a no win situation. There's no way I'm winning giving six picks. So I'm thinking about you know maybe maybe throwing in some money lines. Uh, oh, help that's the pe- so
1: soft. Help Gosh, the, help that's the soft. cause.
0: Why? Well, I mean, we all love underdogs. Why not just take a couple on the money line?
1: Well, if you take someone, um, if you take underdogs on the money line, I can live with. But if yeah, you're that, going, no, that's what I'm talking
0: about. We gotta, yeah. we gotta have some, we gotta have some underdogs on the money line every week for people. But uh, no, I'm absolutely jacked up uh, for the opportunity. Um, you and I, you know, growing up playing the sport, that's that's how you start your Saturday mornings, you know. Everybody races down to pregame meal, that first meal of the day. And let's get back and lay in bed and watch Herbie and the guys. So to be able to be on the set with those guys is just awesome. And I'll be with you week one.
1: <laughs> that that could be good or bad, depending on what we decide to get into. On we'll Friday focus night. on the postgame. Yeah, we, well, we know the, we got yeah. work to do pregame. We're going to win the weekend, though. There's no denying Absolutely. that. Let's, let's get into some regular season win totals, because there's a mm-hmm. bunch that have actually jumped to me that I'm feeling better about. At first, I'm like, man, some of these lines look pretty good. And then I start to look at maybe some of the matchups and where some of those matchups are played and what the line might look like two, three, four weeks from now, two months from now in some cases. And I'm starting to feel a little better about a few. But I'll give you the floor first. Give me a couple of regular season win totals that you're all over at the moment.
0: Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven written down. So we can get through them. Yeah, I, I, like you said, the, I've seen some numbers change in the direction like I've wanted to bet the other side. So, like, Ohio State, I see an under a 10.5 or minus 115. I'm on that. Like, I, I look at that schedule. I think they are up against it. I, listen, when you look at season win totals, I look at the possible games a team could lose, right? Right. And when <laughs> I look at Ohio State, I, I'm not really worried about what, you know, them not naming a quarterback right now. I do think it's interesting that Ryan Day has given the play calling to Hartline, uh, but I still think that's as friendly of a system as there is for a quarterback. Now, are they going to be as good as the last couple they've had? I don't see that, right. um, especially early on. But when you look early on, that game at Notre Dame is – I don't know how that matchup – I like the matchup for Notre Dame, knowing that they're already going to play a physical team in Navy uh in week zero. And then they get a home crowd – um their two deep was announced I, I like the looks of that knowing that Ohio State has a lot of holes to fill on the offensive side and I don't care who you are when you have new guys playing on the offensive line and you go on the road in a big time environment you are fully fully tested yeah uh, to see that so like I look at that as a losable game that's early uh and then the Penn State Michigan thing whatever that that's another another two so and then I don't know what Wisconsin's going to be. I like them yeah. to start the year, but I don't know how that roster is going to play out throughout the course of the season. So I look at multiple lose possible losing games. Give me under 10 and a half uh, at minus minus one fifteen for Ohio state. Uh, next. I look at a team making a transition, Greg, and that's Houston. Uh, there was a five. I first saw that was one of the first things I bet in the season win totals. I still like it under at four and a half at plus plus I've seen uh, this morning. I think about teams that have made the jump to bigger conferences, and there hasn't been a lot of success. When you look at all – I mean, that's all anyone's talked about this year is all the change and get it. I understand. It's what they are. But when you look at what – the two teams I could think of that have had success in making the jump is Utah and TCU. Right. But when you look at them, they got waxed their first year when they stepped up to the conference. And I look at Houston as a team that wasn't great last year. Uh, You look at the build. I love Dana as much as anybody, probably the best guy to have a beer with when you're talking head coaches (laughs) in the country. But he'll admit it. Like He's not as buttoned up as, as other, other places are. And now you bring in a transfer quarterback. I thought Tank Dell, is, is I think he's going gr- to be a great pro. Um, that's a huge loss because right. he's an, a, a, a dominant uh, asset to have on the perimeter. And when you look at what Houston is stacked up against to, uh, in week one, in a game they should have lost last year to UTSA, that's a losable game. And then you look at the gauntlet of the Big 12 with a roster that is not there yet. Listen. You know as well, as well as anybody. They got a great recruiting base to recruit from. And with the teams leaving, they should make some strides in recruiting moving forward with Oklahoma and Texas moving ahead uh, to the SEC. But I don't think it's there. I, I don't. I think it's going to be um, – I think they're, they're set to be – everybody talks about who's going to be the worst team, Cincinnati, West Virginia. I would put money on it. It's going to be Houston. I just don't think they have the wherewithal. So I like Houston under 4.5 plus 115.
1: Love those. I think Houston, that would be one that I'd really jump at because I'm with you. I think they are right now roster-wise with the turnover, they're probably the most difficult team to project in the Big 12. And you referenced the TCU jump and the Utah jump that first year, the transition year. People have pointed to Texas A&M and Missouri when they jumped to the SEC, the immediate success that they experienced. They went from Power 5 to Power 5. Yeah. When you go from G5 to Power 5, it's very, very different. I'll give you a couple just to nibble on. Love Wisconsin over 8.5. That's -hmm. been one of my favorite plays of the entire offseason. The number's big. I am worried a little bit, knowing that their last five games are all going to be outside, all going to be in environments that could impact the passing game, especially there in Madison. But I look at their entire list of games. The only game where they're going to be a significant dog is against Ohio State where they host Ohio State in Camp Randall at night. And if Ohio State's got problems on the perimeter as far as giving up big plays like they did a year ago, then guess what? Wisconsin's probably going to be able to take advantage of that. I still don't think they're going to abandon their running game either because Phil Longo, everyone thinks of him as an air raid guy, a guy that stretches the field vertically. Yes, he does that. He also at North Carolina led the ACC in rushing over the last four years. So I think people don't realize that that one-two punch at running back is still – Going to get a ton of opportunities in this offense. Another one I love, Kentucky over seven. Mm. Kentucky is improved at quarterback. Devin Leary is not the prospect that Will Levis is. But he is a better college player. Assuming the offensive line is better. Big assumption. I understand that. Wide receivers, they were young last year but talented. Now they're experienced and talented. Running back Ray Davis is going to be excellent, and they're always solid on the defensive side. Now you get Bama, you get Georgia. I don't love that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could take on Tennessee. I wouldn't be surprised if they could take on just about everybody else in the East, not named Georgia. So I love the over of seven with Kentucky, and then I'm going to give you another one keeping it there in the state of Kentucky. Not Louisville, yet. Getting there in a minute. Western Kentucky, eight and a half's the number. Conference USA is a little different now. With so many teams now jumping to the American, we've lost a few teams from that great league, Conference USA. And Western Kentucky, they bring back their quarterback. And if you look at just how things stack up, Ohio State and Troy on the schedule, very possible to be an underdog in each of those two games. But pretty much every other game, they have a real strong chance of being the favorite. You have Austin Reed, Veteran guy, decided to stay there, continue on what he was doing offensively. They've won nine games in each of the last three game, three seasons that weren't impacted by COVID-19. And when you kind of just look how everything stacks up, they're going to be in a really good spot. So over eight and a half there. And then, like I said, Louisville. Louisville comes in with the number right now at eight, eight and a half in some places, eight in most places. But I look at Jeff Brom and think of what kind of coach is he? What kind of coach is Jeff Brom? Now they get Notre Dame on the schedule. Tough game, naturally. But you avoid a couple other spots. You get Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College. I mean, there's a strong chance you're 4-0. There's four right there. i got to find four or five more. And the back end of the schedule, man, they play a lot of teams that are very, very gettable, and most of those games are going to be in their backyard. So I think Jack Plummer coming over in a really good spot, understands the offense, had a decent year at Cal last year and has a lot more experience than he did when he took the field as Jeff Brom's quarterback at Purdue. And I think the upgrade that they've had with some of the weapons on the perimeter will be significant. And the defense, maybe not quite as disruptive as they were a year ago, but they have a chance to be close to what they were a year ago. So I'm taking the over. That's four overs for you. I have a couple unders too. I'm not just going to you know blow smoke all the time, Stevie. But I like gotcha. those four overs, three of which from the great state of Kentucky.
0: Uh, yeah, I, uh, another over I like is SMU. Wow. Uh, I just I, I I'm I'm there. I, I am. I, I think Rhett is ready to go. I love what they did when you talk about what he wants to do and what he's uh, supplanted in those roles as far as getting the ball to his best playmakers. I, I like him. I, I am fired up for the Oklahoma game. I think that is a real real test. Knowing what Oklahoma's schedule is. I think SMU is, 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 is very dangerous in that game. And I, I like SMU uh, as a shot to win that conference. So I'm on SMU. Uh, an under, I look at USC. I see an under 10 this morning mm. um, at minus 120. I, 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 listen, you're going to have to withstand how good they're going to look because their schedule to start is nothing. Uh, but then they go to Notre Dame, they get Washington, they got to go to Oregon. UCLA is, is a rivalry game. So I, that's four right there uh, that are losable games, I think, for USC. I, I get it. Um, you know, Lincoln has talked about how, you know, he's it, he's not worried about the offense. And obviously when you look at what he's done on the defensive side and in investing in, in, in transfers, I get it. They're, they're on, they can only be better on the defensive right. side of the ball. But uh, I'm sure we're going to talk week zero, but like I go back to last year. I had Rice against USC, right? And Rice, get I think they were getting 35 or something. SC had three pick sixes in that game. And it was just and, – and I think they won by, you know, 30-plus, whatever. They were so fortunate last year with what – not only did they get those turnovers, but what they did scoring off of them. And that was the defense scoring. I think almost half – of of those, you know, whether it was a pick six or a scooped score, so I just they see that trend coming back down. Uh, so if you could get an under ten, I like that. Um, I think I'm drinking the Florida State Kool Aid. Uh,
1: <laughs> Who I, isn't? I, everybody I, is. It's, you're not, not the only one. I have been hard ad. pressed to no, find no, no. anybody I, I'm that's against. That, them. Like
0: I'm, I'm going with that. I feel like Louisville. <laughs> everybody just looks at the schedule, as you pointed out. Uh, they do get Notre Dame, but Florida State. I as much as as tough as those LSU and Clemson games early in September are, they are winnable. I mean, I don't yeah. know what else Florida State could want going into a season. When you talk about a coach that went through turmoil through through COVID and, co- and players calling him out and now sustaining what he's done with the portal, but also getting recruits to come in and, and having a foundation there. And the quarterback putting more on his plate every single week last year. Right. The improvement that they saw, and also too, this is very this, I, like I like the I don't want to be sweating through the whole season, Greg. I know <laughs> if they if they lose too early, that we're up against it. Uh, so those two first two games um, are two losable games at Clemson. I think it's on the twenty third, and obviously uh, Labor Day night um, against uh, LSU in Orlando. We're gonna know early, and my wild card uh, just because. I love the kid, and it was he was up against it last year in Charlottesville. Is NC State over six and a half? I love yeah, what love Dave that. Doran brings to the love table, uh, and I love Brennan Armstrong. I just think him reunited with Anai uh, is a great match. And NC State is like the ultimate team. Like we just talked about drinking the Kool Aid. Right. Like <laughs> last year, it got a little too crazy. You get you lose Larry, you're done. You know, and right. now they're kind of laying in the weeds. That's where I like Dave Doran. He, I mean, what he did in Northern Illinois, uh, going back to his Wisconsin days, creating uh, and establishing what they have in Raleigh uh, with Brendan Armstrong, and and knowing what Dave likes to do on defense and being, you know, a pain in the ass all the time. That's a that's a good mix that I'll take. And six and a half, I feel like is is a good number to get to. I, I easily see them winning seven
1: games. Uh, I love that. I'm gonna go with one more over, and then give you a sequence. Of unders here, Oregon okay. State. I love the over on eight. Uh, I think that they have. Arguably, How about eight and a half? Is it up to eight and a half now?
0: I've seen eight and a half. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna. gonna I'm, I, I know you got it in early. I know I'm gonna keep alive. it. I'm
1: gonna keep it where I got it for the I sake of. <laughs> I, I,
0: I just because eight and a half changes it for me. It that, does that's big time. I,
1: I think that's totally fair. But when you really take things into account, you avoid SC. Yep. Who they by the way matched up pretty well against last year. The, oh. Were their own worst enemy with four. Uh, turnovers in the game Mm -hmm. you get utah ucla and washington all at home Mm -hmm. and i look with the except and utah to me is a question mark right now like i cam rising seeing the number fluctuate in week one has me all anxious knowing that their backup quarterback sustained the injury there in the first scrimmage of the season that has me anxious as well so i'm looking at oregon state right now and i look at the three home games and avoiding sc this could be a team that might have nine wins going into the Oregon game, which is on the road who I think they match up pretty well against now. No doubt. I, and look, you improve immediately at the quarterback spot and for all DJ, we flaws. And there are plenty him off of play action and him down the field is still a really good strength. I mean, that was one thing he did do extremely well at Clemson was he hit the downfield throws. Now, He missed most of the intermediates. He missed some of the underneath. He was slow in processing some of the things in the middle of the field, but if you give him heavy play action he's really just one to two to run, that's massive. Plus, his legs are a huge element of this offense as well. We already know Martinez is going to get his yards. We know that offensive line is going to move people. We know that. Mm -hmm. Now you have to account for the potential quarterback keep on the zone read. You have to account for quarterback run power on short yardage situations. So I think... Oregon State has the mentality, the physicality to match up with everybody in the entire Pac-12. I might even sprinkle a little bit, just a little bit on Oregon State to win the Pac-12 if they get an opportunity to tee it up against SC or Washington or Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship game. That's a team I would not want to play. Let's keep it out West. I'm going under three and a half with the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, I understand that they are the hottest teams in sliced bread as far as where they're at as compared to what they won last year and what they did on the field to the hype surrounding the program now. I understand the turnover. I understand there's a lot of new faces. I understand the talent has improved drastically, but the culture the culture is probably not going to be created overnight. I'm, I'm hopeful that it is. I want Deion to win. I want him to go bowling. I want him to be a big part of college football moving forward. I just don't know if it's there. And I look at the bodies, and I've been watching the tape, and we're looking at the bodies spring game, looking at some of the clips they put out from practice. I don't see a lot of physically mature dudes in the front seven defensively. I also look, too, at some of the schedule. I mean, the schedule is tricky. You got TCU. You got Nebraska. You got some other games that are very, very losable. So I look at three and a half, and I'm trying to figure out where they get there. I think they're an underdog in 11 games. And I look at the Colorado State game, probably get that one. But then again, Colorado State, I think, has a chance to be a little bit better as well. So I am going to fade Colorado at the moment and take the under of three and a half. I'm also going to take the under with Minnesota. And they're right now at seven. Some places you can even find it at seven and a half, but this one's kind of fluctuated all over the place. I've seen it six and a half, seen it seven, seen it seven and a half. So let's split the difference and go at seven. They've won twenty nine games over the last three years, not including twenty twenty, which is pretty dang impressive. Yeah. They they obviously lose Tanner Morgan, but Ethan kalliak Manis was the guy down the stretch last year anyway. I think Ethan Kalik manus has a really good chance of being a successful player down the road. I just don't love his supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think the offensive line will be rock solid. And Mo Ibrahim, I think about what he meant to the program last year and the games that he was unavailable last year. They couldn't do a whole lot. He was that important. And I look at the receivers, the separation and the consistency within that group last year not great. Tight end, they got a good one, but he's not a crazy beat you up and matchups type of guy. He's a big body, he's an imposing figure, but he's not that guy that I'm going to feature in the passing game. So I just don't know if they have enough weapons. They'll be good on defense, but probably regress a little bit cuz they did lose some key pieces at the second level on that side. But I just don't know where they get to 7. I don't know where they get to 8. I look at how things match up. All right, the Nebraska opener, I think that's a toss-up. Uh, you got North Carolina. I think that's an interesting game. You got Ohio state and Michigan. You also have Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin. All three teams I think are ahead of where Minnesota's at right now. So I'm looking at at least four, maybe five losses before we even get to the Nebraska and Carolina game. So I think it's a tricky situation to be in. So I take the under with PJ flex gophers at the, at the moment.
0: Yeah. Just going back to Colorado too. You mentioned the Nebraska and Colorado state games. I have those. I mean, all their games are losable you mentioned right. the deficiencies in the roster like you could know cuz they're not going to Oregon and winning they're not beating SC at home like you could know after week 3 if you're good as long as they don't get any of those you're, you're in the clear they're not they're, there's no way they're <laughs> getting the four so i like that uh in minnesota yeah like this feels like the big step like pj was able to come in establish his culture whether people like it or not we've seen what's happened with former players and all that but now with the true quarterback change and a true roster. Like, they have – Ibrahim, I mean, he was a local kid here in D.C. that I I got to watch his last year. Love the kid. And, I mean, it was smart. The way they built that and the way they built play action off of that and they had those monsters up front. They played to their strengths and and playing in in, in cold weather and stuff like that. But now this feels like the year where Minnesota – are they going to take this next step? I don't. I'm with you. I don't see it. I, I think they regress big time.
1: I think we're on the same page. Let's do some futures. Uh, I'll give you the floor. Let's start with the Big 12. Anything mm-hmm. that you like in the Big 12?
0: I I will say this: We just got done with win totals. Texas did not come up. I would rather take. I think it's. I think it's even money for Texas to win the conference. I would much rather take Texas to win the conference, then worry about that season win total. I'm with you. Knowing you don't have to deal with the game in Tuscaloosa in week two. You know, like just from a whatever people want to say value, or just what you take out a, a huge predicament in what can happen with a win total. Uh, I, I think Texas. Is, I mean, if it's not now, it's never. You talk to everybody around there; they're as excited as they've been. Whether it's coaching staff, administration, with where the roster is, and, and knowing that the majority of that staff comes from the SEC, knowing what they have when they have, or know what they have inside the locker room knowing what that trip is going to be like and know what they have to do to win that game. Uh I, I do wonder, I, maybe it's a conversation for later, how, how, your thoughts on if the, the loser of that game could make the playoff. Like, I just feel like if Texas don't bet it right now, game,
1: huh? <laughs> let's wait a couple of weeks and we'll no, put a little I know, action I know. on that. <laughs> I, know. I just big
0: picture is everybody's trying to ask for playoff teams, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, I, I think, TCU is going to be a harder out than people give them uh, are, are talking about them. So I, I think they're they got they got an upgrade in an yeah. offensive coordinator. I, I think Bryles is a guy, and, and when you mentioned Colorado, what's Colorado gonna look like after week one? Like yeah, how's that locker through all that stuff you built up through the offseason, all the positive momentum and everything? Like if they go in and get blasted, you gotta get up for Nebraska, who's gonna be as hungry as a team as there is. Um, so I think TCU is set, you know, Morris was the guy and we know what happened there, but right. I just, I love the way Sonny Dyke they don't, people aren't really talking about like, they're going to have people, you know, mentioning that they went to the title game and got blasted. That's fine. But all those guys are gone. Uh, I, I think they are a, are going to be a tough out Oklahoma. The schedule plays out pretty fortunate for them. Uh, but I still, there's a lot of proven, uh, to me there. Uh, out West in the Pac-12, I think um, the the wild card in the Pac-12 is Oregon because I look at Will Stein, and I think it's one of the trickiest positions to be in in the country because Bo Nix didn't even think he was going to play that well last year. Right. And he, he was out of his mind good. And then down the stretch, he gets hurt. He still gets the win against Utah, but you know they don't make it into the Pac-12 championship. But now you're Will Stein. You come in with your own beliefs. But then you're watching a tape of seeing what Bo Nix did under Dillingham. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah. You know, and and the guys that they lost, they lose offensive linemen. I think that's a really, really tricky uh, deal to to be put into knowing what the expectations are because they saw, like, Eugene people only know Bo Nix from last year. Yeah, like I, I still don't think that's the Bo we're going to see in the future. So, Oregon, I, I don't like it. I know you like Washington a lot, a lot because of what they bring to the table roster-wise. I look at it for a price. I look at UCLA. Um, like that. Because of they don't have to play Washington or Oregon. Right. Uh, and, and Chip Kelly's a guy who's won a national championship with a freshman quarterback. So, he is not really a quarterback-dependent uh, system. Uh, they do have a lot of change over in the offensive line. They have to get that worked out before the road trip to Utah. You mentioned they have to go to Corvallis. But, no, no more divisions. I look at UCLA for a price in the schedule. That's a team that I would lean on uh, to, to to take as a wild card to win the Pac-12.
1: Yeah, 14-1 to one right now in some places. Yeah. So, I, I don't hate that price at all. Uh, I already referenced Oregon State. You can get them at 11-1. to one. I kind of like that action. Just the matchup. I just don't think they're a team anyone wants to play. They're a little bit like Utah. Uh, in a sense that, man, they are really built inside out, and now with improved quarterback play, like Utah got with Cam Rising, now DJ Uyungale at Oregon State, they could be in a real position to do some nice things. Oregon's three to one to win the Pac-12 right now. I would stay away. I, I'm just not with them, right? I think they're good. Uh, I just, like you said, I have some questions, just some questions. I like think they had a great year last year, turned things around after what was a tricky week one, caught fire. Bo Nix got confident. They tried to do a little too much early, then they simplified it, and he played better down the stretch as a result. So uh, I'm with you on the on the Oregon side. I like Oregon a lot. I just don't know if I can go 3-1 to one to win the Pac-12. I, that, to me, is a bridge just a little bit too far because the Pac-12 is going to be a complete survive Whatever it takes to survive. And I think it's going to be the lesser of many evils when starting to evaluate. I don't like the price on SC either. Love SC. Think they're a good team. Don't see them getting to 10 wins. I don't see them getting to a point which they're within striking distance of the playoff unless I know for sure that that defense is improved drastically. And I don't know at the moment if it's going to be. So uh, I like Texas, by the way, back to the Big 12 discussion. I would go Texas plus 110, even money, whatever it is. I would take them right now because. With the format, everyone's going to circle Texas. We understand that. That's understandable. Yep. But I think if you can't, it's going to be very difficult to beat Texas twice if you beat them at all. And I think just looking at everybody else in the Big 12, everyone else has major questions. Texas doesn't have that many. You look at their losses last year, all one possession games, a couple of 14-point leads blown. I think they're going to be better this year. And I just have a hard time envisioning anybody surpassing them there in in the Big 12. Is there anyone else you like as far as a conference? championship price
0: i'm with you like i'm pretty sure they're the favorite by a good number but wisconsin to win the big 10 west I, plus 125
1: I, I think, or so it's yeah i, I think that's it's worth not it. great yeah i no, mean but, it's but it's, it's, it's worth, worth it. it yeah it's yeah. worth it i'm with you. you
0: you brought up the schedule uh going back to your oregon state thing just real quick they're also like playing there i'll just say it, it flat out sucks like you've got to stay in Eugene, you drive to Corvallis, everybody sees you coming in and now Reese stadium is done. Like they've redone right. that thing. I think three times since uh, I played there and now it's all done. And that, that, that you mentioned the, the teams, they get to come there. That that's a, a dangerous uh, a spot for any team to go to. Cause it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of mean and evil in those people at Corvallis. <laughs> you um, get that
1: chainsaw going, man. It gets, oh, it's a little boy. different. That's for yeah. sure.
0: Uh, and I mean SEC. I, I like Bama at the price. I, a plus three hundred. I saw. Um, I think it's worth it. Uh, I I look at what they have. What I love the hire of Tommy Reese. I, I think especially when you look at what Bama wants to bring to the table. No, I think they have to be better on the offensive line. Yeah. Um. I, I really don't think it's it, it's a. You know, I go, I go back to everybody wants to talk about the quarterback. I, I trust Nick and Tommy that that's going to be taken care of. And the defense is going to be only better. Uh, and you get LSU at home, where is a team that is sort of like, I don't know. I, I still need to see. L- LSU has to prove to me they're better. Uh, and I worry about what they've done on the back end uh, with the secondary, bringing in transfers to play there. They are going to get tested in that first game against Florida State. That is that, that I mean, you, you start off 0-1 again, and then all that air is out of that balloon. So I look at Alabama um, as very formidable, and it's been years since we've seen that price uh, for them. So I look at Bama to, to win the SEC. I like that number.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I would not push back on that. That would be the play I'd make in the SEC. Uh, the only other play I could possibly see, I mean, I guess you could get LSU four and a half, five 5-1. If you're going to go long shot, it's A&M. By a mile at 14 to one or so, depending on where you get it. That's the team that I would without question back. If I'm trying to take a flyer in the ACC, it's so chalky. I I can't get behind Clemson right now. There's too many unknowns. I still have question marks about Cade Klubnik. I have question marks about their wide receivers. I think they have one that's elite. I think they have two that are good, but they need to be elite. If the offense is going to be what it ultimately wants to be love, their running back offensive line should be solid, but the front seven defensively, I just don't think it is what it's been. That's just, that's where I'm at with Clemson. So I'd avoid Florida state and Clemson. If I'm going to sprinkle some action, I'm going Louisville. Uh, And I, I don't love, obviously the likelihood of them winning it. I do love their schedule, They get Mm -hmm. four of the last five at home. I think the most difficult games on the schedule are at Pitt, at NC State. They get Notre Dame at home, but that doesn't impact whether or not they win the ACC. So if I can get them at 10-1, to uh, I'll sprinkle that. They get an opportunity to play against Florida State. They played them pretty well last year, I might add, in the regular season. They get them potentially in the ACC championship game. I'll roll the dice at 10-1 to for sure. So uh, I think that's a team that I would be willing to back in the ACC if I'm going long shot. But... Really across the board, I'm not if I'm going long shots, it's Oregon State in the Pac 12. Uh, I guess in the Big 12, it's almost difficult to go long shot.
0: What do you think about Lubbock?
1: I like Lubbock, I like Baylor maybe a little bit better. If I'm going Baylor's crazy long shot, yeah, I think they're they gonna be good. At home. I kind of like them as a long shot. Uh, so Baylor probably in the Big 12, it, AM in the SEC, Louisville in the ACC, and then Wisconsin in the Big 10. In the big, Power five leagues, those are the long shots I would back. Any disagreement or any that you'd like to also add?
0: No, I think Penn State's up against it in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they, you know, all the positive vibes coming out of there, but you're still going to have to go to Columbus. I think they're have a really, really tricky game uh, in Champaign early. On. I think that's week four. We're going to really find out what they have at the quarterback position right. in that game because that they're – I mean, Illinois is going to be a pain in the butt. They are not going to give you anything easy. Right. Uh, and when you look at Penn State and you're talking about a transfer wide receiver from a Mac school being your difference maker, I'm sorry. I need, I need to hear more, especially when you have a kid who hasn't played quarterback in big spots before. So right. I know they got the run game. Um, their offensive line, people are talking them up. I need, to, like, I, I need to see them play well in Champaign for me to be a believer. Uh, Michigan, you come at home. That, you go put that tape on. You want to watch <laughs> that one again? I mean, that was as ugly as it got. They they're lucky right. they got that fluke uh, touchdown in the first half to be in that game. So, I'm, you know, the 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 teams to make the playoff. You know, everybody brings up Florida State, Penn State. I I don't think I could get there. I, I I think Penn State. I, I would take Penn State over Ohio State as far as wins. You know, if I had to take a win total there, right. I don't. Lo- I don't love it. Right. Um, so, you know, Michigan obviously is the favorite. Um, Texas Tech is the team in the Big Twelve that the problem is they have to take almost two jumps right. to to make the title game. And when you look at that schedule, it's a tricky start. Like you don't know what the hell's going to happen in Laramie, and then you got no. you got the Ducks coming in. And as much as I love what McGuire has done. Uh, I worry, I mean, Shuck hasn't played a whole season. You know, you you need your quarterback to play right. the whole year, especially if you're looking to make two jumps no in doubt. the conference. So that that's a team I would say. I think Kansas State's going to be a pain uh, also. I like I, to, If you could get it to them to make the Big 12 title game, I think that's worth a shot. Uh, they're just trusting what Kleiman has done. I get it. They lost their best defensive player and their best offensive player, but I still look at that offensive line knowing what Kleiman wants to do. And they are kind of that, you know, when he came to Kansas state, Kansas state was always an outlier, but the way he does things feels like an outlier still in that conference.
1: Yeah. As far as big 12 is concerned, you got Baylor 18 to one, which to me, I think is pretty good value. I mean, I I don't hate it at all. Uh, I might roll the dice there. Kansas state's five to one, probably a little bit more appropriate. That one, is intriguing. It feels Oklahoma feels like the
0: books have caught up to Kansas State. I think that. Like well, they, they just know Chris Kleiman.
1: I mean, Chris Kleiman, yeah. Go ahead, bet against him and and be prepared to eat crow against the spread. They were nine and four last year. I mean, the guy is mm. just legit. And I wouldn't change. I wouldn't expect much of a difference. TCU, ironically, sixteen to one right now to win the Big Twelve. We mentioned Texas right at plus money, just a little above, and then Texas Tech twelve to one right now to to win the Big 12. So a lot of value to be had there if you don't want to back one of the favorites. But either way, should be really interesting. Let's get to this weekend's games. Not a real sexy slate. Anything that jumps out to you, at least in the early going?
0: Yeah, I want to see, um, with the new clock stipulations, I think it's really important to keep your eyes. Like, I look at the total in the Navy-Notre Dame game, right? Yeah. We know what Navy wants to do. I see 49 and a half out there. I think Notre Dame wins the ball, wins the game, throwing the football, knowing that they're going to have advantages. Not saying that they have elite offensive perimeter players, but they're going to be better. There's going to be better speed and better height on that edge. And I just I want to see Sam Hartman not having to do that that slow mesh and actually see him in a real system. Like I'm fired up to see that. I just don't know. Like Navy, like I said, the possessions are going to be limited with this clock. Like if Navy ever gets the lead. It's it's a whole different world, and that under looks like almost too easy to me. I love the under, like Uh, I love the under in that game. And I was at that game (laughs) last year in Baltimore, and Navy was getting their doors blown off, and all they did in the second half was blitz the bag off of Chris uh, 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 Drew Pine. I'm sorry, that quarterback, and they got back in the game. So me thinking that, knowing that Hartman is what he is, I could see some big plays for Notre Dame, but I still think. Navy's going to play. Um, the uh, what's his uh? They're going to have a different quarterback. It's not going to be the lacrosse player. But uh, I think you know, no more cutting. How effective are they going to be in that? So that total is interesting to me. I would take Navy plus the points, but I look at that under. Uh, the other one, I think the clock stipulations is that Hawaii Vandy game, like. I watched that tape last year. Um, the end zone view I still have am mesmerized. How do you by. not
1: lay well, like, the 17 and a half with Vandy? You just you I, it feels too good to be true, right?
0: And I like that over too cuz we know what Hawaii wants to do. Right. But I just look at the superior uh, this you know being superior in a roster. Uh, Swan's going to be the guy at quarterback. I I think he's doable especially in a they game. Got this. They got good yeah. weapons. They uh, got good weapons. and speed and strength. Uh, I like Vandy in the over in that game. The SC game is the tough one because... I like the over.
1: You... It's steamed, though. I liked it better at 63.5. Now it's at 66.5. Yes. It's a big price. And- but Chevin Cordero can make some plays. And I could, I could see them continuing to press the gas pedal there. Uh, now, Lincoln Riley in Week 1 games against mismatched opponents, he wins by an average of like 34, 34 and a half points a game. That line's right at 31-ish. So I don't feel real comfortable about the side, but I do like the over because I think that SC could easily get to fifty. And I really believe that Chevin Cordero can probably get you to twenty one based on what he's done in the past offensively at San Jose. I
0: I look at San Jose State there, like they have one of the toughest out of conference. Like they go to the Coliseum, then they (laughs) go to Corvallis, and then they have to go to like Toledo. Yeah. So, right? like, how bad are they getting beat? Like, does he want to save Cordero? And on the other side, to your point with the over, SC's got guys behind Caleb Williams that are fighting for that number two spot. So, like you said, Lincoln Riley, that foot is going to be on the gas. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do like that over. I could see that freaking thing going off at 70 by the time kickoff. <laughs> so, if you want it, get it now. I mean, it's already up, what do I see, 66 and a half now? Right. You mentioned 63 and a half. Um, yeah, and – Blindly, I'll just take Jerry Kill giving the points against UMass. Los what about Cruces?
1: Jacksonville State? Sprinkle a little there. That line's coming oh. back a little bit. Rich Rod and co. I ain't there first game, first opportunity play, FBS competition It is an FBS school. I think they okay. get it done. So maybe just go with the Gamecocks a little bit there with Jacksonville State as well.
0: Is Coach Trickett back as the offensive line coach for Coach Rod?
1: I, I need to double check on that, but I believe he I is. I think I saw I I was looking at the is. coaching.
0: I think I saw him as whole oh, like like good luck to those Jacksonville State offensive linemen. They've put it they this way: they've had pressed. a tough
1: camp, I would imagine. If Rick Trickett's there, they've had a tough camp, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Stevie, this is great, buddy. Awesome breakdown. We'll do it again at some point here in a few weeks. But we appreciate your time today, brother. And hey, good luck this weekend.
0: I appreciate it, man, and uh, I'll see you in Charlotte, week one.
1: Sounds good. All right, couple things that we need to take a peek at heading in to week zero. I'm going to be honest with you. We're not going to spend a lot of time breaking down these matchups because I- I'm, not, I'm not really concerned for Notre Dame, if I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not really concerned, naturally, for USC. They're north of three touchdown favorites in both games. USC is favored by 31 points. I'm not going to waste a ton of time telling you, here. here's how San Jose State can win the game. Here's how Navy can win the game. I'm not going to focus on that. I think Notre Dame can get to the college football playoff. I think USC can potentially get to the college football playoff as well. I believe that those things are possible, but a few things have to happen for me to feel better about their candidacy as a playoff team. Here's what I'm watching for USC. I'm going to be looking at the freshmen. Naturally, it's week one. I want to see the freshmen. I want to see Taka Curtis. I want to see the receivers. I want to see the young guys. I want to see Dorian Singer, the transfer from Arizona. I want to see the young guys and how well they play. But more importantly for USC, the focus for me is going to be on the newcomers on the defensive side. I am going to see Mason Cobb. I want to see Bear Alexander. I want to see Christian Roland Wallace on the edge, on the perimeter. Those are the guys I'm paying attention to because when I look at USC's personnel, offensively, they're going to score. We know that. That, uh, Yes, am I going to want to watch Caleb Williams? Of course. He's one of the best players of his generation. Of course, we're going to watch him. We're going to be watching him closely. But I want to see more what guys have emerged on the defensive front. And they're going to be going against a very nimble, athletic quarterback in Shevin Cordero. Shevin Cordero is going to run around. He's going to be problematic at times, perhaps. He's going to be a little crazy. As far as, I don't want to say he's careless, but he's going to do some things that are maybe a little off the wall. He's a little bit like Jaden DeLora for you Pac-12 fans. He's a little bit like Jaden DeLora at Arizona because he's a little unpredictable with how he might approach it. He's a veteran guy too. He's played a ton of football. So I want to see, are they able to contain him? Are they able to kind of wall him off, not allow him to escape the pocket? Because there are some athletic quarterbacks that SC will face. That's going to be paramount as they move forward into the season. So I'm focusing on the defensive side, mostly the newcomers for the Trojans. For Notre Dame, few things that I'm very, very interested in. I'm watching the wide receivers really closely. I'm really going to watch the, that group. I, I believe that that group is improved. I do. Right now, I don't know what the pecking order is. I'm not sure anybody does. I think you asked their wide receiver staff. They're not going to tell you necessarily what the pecking order is going to be like throughout the course of the season. And maybe week one's not a great indicator of where they're going to prioritize their targets, but it gives me something. i am be watching those guys. What kind of separation are they able to get from the defenders? What kind of timing are they working with? Are they getting their depths on the routes? So when it says a 12-yard curl, and I'm not going to necessarily know the plays, but based on the quarterback's footwork, I'm probably going to be able to tell you, yes, he was deep, yes, he was short, or he was right on. Let's hope you know it's Goldilocks and it's just right every single time. Sam Hartman, going to be watching him closely as well. We know he's an all-time accomplished accomplished quarterback statistically in college football, but this is a very different offense. This, more than likely... It's going to be a little bit more drop back, a little bit more traditional. He has lived in an RPO system where he is making post snap reads by feeling defenders and looking at movement of defenders while the ball is in the belly of the running back. He is forcing defenders to move with the action between him and the running back. Well, now he might be having to force defenders to move with his eyes. Can he manipulate defenders? How are his feet? He is a little unorthodox, can sometimes throw off balance, will move, adjust his arm angle, do a lot of really nice things. But if he does need to just drop straight back and and throw it on time and accurately, how comfortable is he doing it at this stage of the Notre Dame season? I feel really good about both. I think SC is going to have improved defensive play. I think Sam Hartman is going to be really comfortable. I think the Notre Dame uh, wide receivers are going to be better than they were a year ago. So those are the things I'm watching. That's what I really want to see this weekend when those teams take the field. As far as Fandy's concerned, as far as some of the other teams are concerned, Fandy, I want to see the passing attack. Their only way I think they're going to need to be better on defense collectively. We know that. But I do want to see AJ Swan. How much has he progressed? He's got really talented wideouts. Are they on the same page? Are they able to carve up a defense in Hawaii that was not really up to par at any point last year? Do they pick up where they started last year? Remember, they played really good football down the stretch, Faderville did. They didn't play good against Tennessee in the final game of the regular season. They needed that one to get to bowl eligible, but they did play pretty well in the couple games leading up to that. So do they pick up where they left off with a young second year quarterback and a talented wide receiver course? I'll be watching that group specifically when the doors take the field. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Please continue to like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, I'm Greg. Happy week zero ladies and gentlemen we made it the off season is over we got games kicking off in 24 hours so buckle up get you a couple chin straps get you a couple pairs uh, of socks get you a couple mouthpieces and let's get ready to ride nothing but college football from this point forward so have a great weekend enjoy the action and remember it's always college football